We begin our service today with a reading. This is from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, and it's a prayer of Hannah. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Do not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on in strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who, was, who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honour. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. This is a passage of just such great praise to God for the mighty works and the wonders of his hand. And so with that in mind, as we exalt the Lord, let's sing this morning in praise and worship of the almighty, all-conquering, all-knowing, all-powerful God in which we serve.
is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Clothed in rainbows of living color, Flashes of lightning, rows of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Yeah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Oh, Jesus, filled with wonder. Struck wonder at the mention of your name. Filled with wonder, or oh, struck wonder at the mention of your name. Filled with wonder, oh yes, we are. Awesome wonder. At the mention of your name Jesus, your name is power Breath and living water Such a marvelous mystery yeah. Holy, holy, holy Is the Lord God Almighty Who was and is and is to come with all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Sing like never before, 
Yeah. 
Well, just before we get into the message today, we do have a few announcements for us. Uh, those are, first and foremost, that Thursday mornings, we have our pop-up cafe here at the church that operates from 10.30 a.m. for cuppa and chats. And so if you'd like to come along and have some fellowship with other people um, in, in groups no larger than 10 outside, um, we're doing this under the cafe regulations. Uh, so feel free to come along as you can, go along to any cafe um, out, out in our community uh, and come along. Um, there'll be some university coffee and cake or something like that. And uh, it's all free, so it's a free cafe. Um, so feel free to come along and uh, enjoy the beautiful sunshine that we are due, um, uh, hopefully every Thursday. I'm praying for it. I'm praying for great sunshine every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. Love to see you here at the church. Uh, we also have shoeboxes. Um, so the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, they're in full swing. So it is October, so it's time to get those in. Um, please have them in by the 25th of October. Um, so if you're coming along on Thursdays, you can bring them along with you then and I'll have them here, um, hold them here. Uh, or contact Eve Davies for a time where you can drop them off here directly to her as the rep for um, the, the shoe boxes this year um, here in the, in the northeast uh, in Wangaratta. Um, so contact Eve if you'd like time to drop them off to her directly. Um, she is at the church on a few different uh, times throughout the week. Uh, so uh, that's all for the announcements today. Again, thank you for the giving that keeps coming in. And uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get straight into the sermon. Many of us watching along today uh, are parents. And, and we have been through or, or are going through the delight and joy of raising children to be decent human beings and introducing them to Jesus as we go. One of the many and varied techniques we have as parents to do this is the bargaining chip. You eat two more pieces of broccoli and then you can have dessert. The bargaining chip. You clean your room and then you can go outside to play. Oh, once you've played outside and done your chores, then you can watch TV. I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back. They're all bargaining techniques. You do this for me, then I'll do this for you. You do this thing that you don't want to do, then you get to do something that you want to do. These are what I like to call conditional transactions. We make a bargain or a trade, if you like, that have conditions attached. And those conditions are either positive or negative. Do this and be rewarded, or don't do that and suffer the consequences. That's sort of how many of us have been raised or, or are even raising our children. It's all, it, it's, you know, the, these conditional transactions, do this and then you get that, etc. But have you ever found yourself putting conditions on your relationship with God? Have you ever seen, said things like, if you do this for me, God, then I'll do that for you? If you heal me of this illness or sickness, then I'll give up this or stop doing that. If you give me this desire or, or, or do this thing for me, then I'll increase my devotion to you. Well, today in our series from the book of Judges, God's Grace in a Selfish World, 
we come across one such man who should have been the focus of celebration and great victory. If only he had have been obedient and not placed conditions on God. If only he had stepped out boldly and confidently in faith rather than putting selfish conditions on his obedience. That man is Barak. Now, Barak is not a judge. His story is told in the story of Deborah, who was a judge. So let's open our Bibles to Judges chapter 4. That's Judges chapter 4. And as we do that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your word now to hear from you. Lord, please illuminate the scriptures in our hearts and minds. Please open our hearts and minds to the thoughts that you want to implant in us so that we can be obedient to you and be used by you. I pray this in the name of the mighty Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's get straight into this. Judges chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in the Harasheth Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. And so we begin that downward spiral again. The people sin, that leads to suffering. Only this time they are sold into the hand of Jabin, a king living amongst their land. Jabin had the latest in military technology and, and used it cruelly to, oppose, to oppress Israel for 20 years. He had these 900 iron chariots. And these iron chariots were, were as game-changing as any other leap forward in military technology. And they were used with great effect because they swiftly subdued uprisings and asserted great dominance. This is the position in which Israel finds itself, oppressed by a king who lived among them, who didn't come from outside this time, who lived among them. Let's continue in verses 4 through 7. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. So here enters Deborah, whose name means bee, and was judging Israel. She was actually acting as an authority to decide disputes and give wise counsel. Deborah summons Barak, whose name means lightning, 
to fulfill what God had commanded him to do. So obviously, separate to this account, God had already commanded Barak to raise an army and defeat Jabin. Yet Barak had not acted upon what he was instructed to do by God. Now, Israel's army of some 10,000 military men or, or 10 military units was far superior in number to the 900 chariots of Jabin's army. Some commentators suggest that they outnumbered Jabin's army by as many as 10 to 1. And so he had, uh, Barak had a far superior sized army. And God had also told Barak where the battle would take place on the Kishon River, in the valley of a short river. Not the best place for chariots, one may suggest. It wasn't a large open plain with hard ground. It was a valley by a river. And God promised Barak that he would give the enemy into his hand. Yet Barak didn't do what God had commanded. Judges chapter 4 verse 8. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Barak refused to go without Deborah. And so that raises a few questions. Was Barak afraid? Was God's chosen warrior to lead the nation who he had said, I will give your enemy into your hand? Was he afraid? Did he require the, the comfort of Deborah's company? Would he not go without the prophetess of the Lord? Was it so that he could obtain guidance through her as he's in battle? Did, did he mistrust his own strength? You know, was he, did he feel that he was too weak to carry out God's command? See, most leaders, they call on God for help when in dire need. I mean, the scriptures is full of, you know, oh Lord, help me, you know, uh, crying out to the Lord. The scriptures are full of those. But Barak doesn't do that. He called on Deborah. And instead of God providing assurances of success like he does in so many other passages of scripture and had, had already given to Barak, Deborah provides that assurance as we see in verse 9 and 10. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men, or 10 military units, went up at his heels and Deborah went up with him. Barak, he put a condition on obeying God. God's will was clear. It was concise. God's promise of victory was undoubted. Barak, however, refused to obey unless Deborah accompanied him. And Barak's punishment for this lack of obedience, this putting conditions on, on his obedience before God, 
was the denial of credit and honour for the victory. We then have a small interjection in our story with, with the account of Heber, who was a Kenite. So let's pick it up in Judges chapter 4, verse 11. Now Heber, the Kenite, had separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak of Zananim, which is near Kadesh. So the name Heber, it means ally. And the term Kenite means smith, as, as in blacksmith. And so Heber had a strong relationship with the Canaanites who were oppressing Israel. And he was an ally of theirs. It's even likely that he provided the skills for keeping these 900 chariots in good working order. And Heber, we're told in chapter 5, um, had set up shop under an oak tree, the Oak of Zananim. Oak trees were often sites of paganite worship. So it appears that Heber may have indeed set up shop at the cultic shrine of Baal in his area. And Heber, he was a descendant of Moses' family, who here we see fraternising with the very people Moses had commanded the Israelites to exterminate. And so we have this parallel of, of Deborah sitting under the refreshing palm and, and passing judgment and, and Heber under this oak of oppression. And the interjection of Heber's account here in the story is made clear later. So we'll come back to that. But first, we'll just continue on with verse 12 through 16. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinom, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him from Harosheth Hagoyim to the river Kishon. Harosheth Hagoyim is sort of a, a term that just means sort of um, forests. So that's where he's from, from the forests. And Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this day is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from the Mount, from Mount Table with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harashoth Hayoim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. And so with Deborah at Barak's side, he was not afraid to engage the enemy. One commentator said, the most important characteristic of a Christian leader in whatever area of life is a dynamic, bold faith in God. This appears to be true of Deborah, but serves as a critique on Barak, who only followed the command of God once his conditions were met. Now, more details of this battle are given in chapter 5. And during a great song of victory that's recorded for us there, have a read of it this week. It's, 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 it's great. But from that account, we see that God sends an unseasonal thunderstorm that bogged down Sisera's chariots in the softened valley soil. You know, chariots are extremely effective uh, weapons in good conditions. 
but they're not really suited to boggy and muddy terrain. And so the Israelite, they destroyed the whole army. Not a single soldier was left. You see, not only have the Canaanites lost the battle and their 900 chariots, but their God had failed them. You see, they believed that Baal controlled storms and rode upon the clouds, but he allowed their army to be totally destroyed because of a storm. Now, Baal, he's uniformly depicted wielding a club in one hand and a stylized spear in the other, representing thunder and lightning. Thunder and lightning here were the, the, the army's very undoing. I mean, would you want to be up in an iron chariot holding a sword in the middle of a thunderstorm with lightning cracking all around you? Just think of this sight. A great storm, lightning all around, the ground becoming soft, slushy and muddy by the rain. And here you are riding a metal chariot, holding a metal sword. That would have been a terrifying experience for the army of Jabin led by Sisera. And the irony must not be lost on us here. Instead of Baal striking his enemies as thunder and lightning, Barak whose name means lightning, had struck them. But as we see, it was really the Lord who overwhelmed Sisera. The Lord sent the storm, the unseasonal thunderstorm, which gave the Israelites victory. Barak then pursues the fleeing army west. We pick it up the story in verse 17, 3 to 20. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Here's Heber again. For there was peace between Jabin and the king of Hazor and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, Is anyone here? Say no. So Sarah, he he fled east to Heber's home, his ally. Now at this time, it's very important to understand the strict hospitality customs that were in play here. Otherwise, we miss the the significance of this story. See, there were very important customary practices that governed hospitality. And what we see from Sisera is a complete disregard of those customary practices. Sisera should have gone directly to Heber, the head of the household, not to his wife's tent. This violation of hospitality customs would have alerted Jael that something was amiss. Furthermore, Sisera should not have accepted Jael's offer of hospitality. But when he did, this doubtlessly indicated to Jael again that his intentions were not right. Sisera proceeded to make two requests of his host. 
First, he requested something to drink. And secondly, that Jael would stand guard at the door of the tent, evidently to lie about his presence, which would have endangered her safety. Guests, good guests, did not make requests of their hosts in that culture, nor did they put them in danger. And so Sisera was asking for trouble. Sisera, he was a, a famous military commander. And since conquering male heroes generally had their way with women, and since Sisera had violated hospitality com- customs by entering Jael's tent, Jael may very well have feared that she was going to be treated improperly, to say the least. Sisera requested water, but Jael gave him milk, which, which was probably a yogurt-like drink and was a better drink than water and would have assured Sisera of Jael's goodwill toward him. And for a tired soldier on the run, having just lost in a great battle, this drink would have served to calm him considerably and helped him fall asleep. But little did Sisera realise though that even though Heber's sentiments apparently favoured the Canaanites, his wife Jael was a loyal worshipper of God. She was no compromiser, as her husband seems to have been. What's important also to note, in addition to the strict hospitality code, was the role of women in this society. As a nomadic people, one of the roles of the women was to erect the tents in which they lived. That would mean packing everything up when they had to move and and then at the new location, rolling out the tents, setting up the structures, driving the tent pegs into the ground, etc. That was one of the roles of women in this culture. And so let's pick the story up again in Judges chapter 4, verses 21 and 22. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. And so he went into her tent, and there lay Sisera dead with a tent peg in his temple. Graphic again, isn't it? But again, the, the irony is striking. The very man that thought to destroy Israel with his many iron chariots is himself destroyed with one iron nail. And at the hands of a woman too, an absolute disgrace in that culture. And so Barak, he somehow finds Sisera's trail and follows him, being met by Jael and again taking an order from a woman. A seemingly ordinary housewife had conquered Barak's mighty enemy. And so Jael conquers both generals, one by taking his life and the other by taking his honour. Judges chapter 4, verses 23 to 24. 
So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. The victory here broke the back of Canaanite domination at this period in Israel's history. The Israelites continued to put pressure on the Canaanites until they finally destroyed Jabin and his kingdom. And this may have taken several years. And the Canaanites never oppressed Israel again militarily, as far as Scripture records, but their religion continued to ensnare God's people. And so the book of Judges here begins this pivot where divine salvation now becomes the focus of Judges and human heroes are now a backdrop to God's work of salvation for his people. As we continue in this book, down this downward spiral, the focus shifts in the book to be more and more about God's work of salvation, what God does and the human heroes, they're, they're sort of relegated to, to being this, this backdrop to, to the work of salvation that God is undertaking for his people. Yes, you know, there continue to be mighty stories of the exploits of these different judges, but, but they are worse and worse examples of faithfulness to God as individuals. And so it's much more about the work of God to save his people a work ultimately completed by Christ on the cross, bringing salvation to all who believe. But there are a few things that we can learn from this story today. And first of all, Judges warns us about putting conditions on our obedience to God. If we do, God may use someone else and we may not accomplish all we could have. You know, Barak is the clearest example of this point in Scripture. He was God's appointed military leader, yet he failed to obey God's commands until the conditions of his obedience were met. Barak stripped himself of the rewards for his efforts and prolonged the suffering of God's people by his failure to act in obedience when God called him to do so. He had, he had to be told by Deborah, to get off his butt and do what he was told. And we're not told how long ago Barak was told to go and do this and, and to, to beat the, the, the army of Jabin. It could have been years earlier. You know, I once worked with a guy who, who was a Catholic. Uh, he, was, he was a twice a year attender type of guy, uh, Christmas and Easter. And really there was no discernible fruit of a relationship with Christ in his life. He made this comment to me one day, which I'm, I'm sure has been, you know, I'm sure you've probably even heard it from, from people. Um, and, and if you haven't heard it verbally, then you've probably heard it by the way they live their life. And the comment was this, I just live my life the way I want to, do what I want to do, but just before I die, that's when I'm going to repent and, and get right with God. But until then, it's my life to live. You know, that sort of thinking, it really is putting conditions on our obedience to God and taking that to a whole new level. It's from a heart that says, 
only when I have done all I want to do, then will I do what you want me to do. It's a selfish heart. It's a rebellious heart. It's a religious heart, not a relational heart with with Christ. And it's a deceived heart. It is deceived because this, it's living life under a lie. And the lie that is being believed is this. Being obedient to God cannot give you the best life possible. Like the lie that Barak believed, you're too weak to be obedient to God. But these are lies. And when we live by a lie, we are robbed of glory. We are robbed of storing up treasures in heaven. And others are robbed of experiencing God's blessing through us. So don't put conditions on your obedience to God. You know, if you've got this mentality that I'm just going to do what I want to do and and then later, just before I die, that's when I'll settle my account and that's when I'll repent and that's when that'll be my ticket into heaven. That's, That's not how it works. You are being deceived. That is a lie. And if you're being deceived by by a lie, then not only you, you are missing out on God's best for your life, but other people are missing out on God blessing them through you. So don't put conditions on your obedience to God. The second major point that we have in this account of Barak and Deborah and Jael is that God uses women in key roles in his work. You know, in Judges, at least 22 individuals or groups of women are used by God to accomplish his work. Key and pivotal roles and pivotal people like Deborah and Jael. God uses women in key roles in his work. You know, Jesus, if we think about uh, his life, he was also ministered to by Priscilla, Phoebe, Dorcas, and, and many others. And Paul also was ministered to and encouraged by women and encouraged women to minister in the church. God uses women in key roles in his work. If there is a, a, any question about the appropriateness, appropriateness of what Deborah and Jael did, chapter 5 would answer that. Read it. It it, it glorifies them in a a mighty way. It celebrates the fact that God gave his people a great victory through these women. And this is not something that has ceased. God continues to use women in key roles in his work. See, I hate that so many divisions in our world exist. And they seem to only be getting stoked and more divided. Divisions of gender is a key battleground at the moment too. You know, women should be celebrated for all that God has made them to be and encouraged to use their gifts that God has given them for His glory and for our good, just like men. But there are differences between men and women. God has made us different for a reason. And it is okay to celebrate those differences and to champion women for the roles and expertise that God has gifted them for. And likewise, it's also okay 
to celebrate the differences of men and champion men for roles and expertise that God has gifted us for. You know, one role that, that I'm excluded from, 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 from doing is, is the role of a mother. And one role that, that Kelly is excluded from is, is the role of a father. You know, God has created us differently for a purpose and for a reason. And so it's okay to celebrate that. And to stand up and, and, and walk in that with confidence boldly that we are who we're created to be by God for a reason. And it's okay that I can't do everything that somebody else can, that Kelly can't do everything that I can, that, that other people around us. God has given us all differently. Don't let gender be something that stops you from doing what God has called you to do because God continues to use women in key roles in his work. You know, it is time for the church to stand up to culture. And and instead of tearing people down by the gender roles, instead celebrate the differences of men and women in a positive way. Celebrate the strengths of each person who is a follower of Christ and celebrate and champion them in what God has called them to do and to be. God uses women and men of faith and courage to give his people victory over their enemies. God continues to use women in key roles in his work. The last point is that God uses unusual people with unusual equipment to do his will. You may recognize this point from last week because it's here again today. It's really important we understand this. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a focus of of two of the judges that we see here, of three of them actually, of Ehud, Shamgar, and of Deborah. Deborah and Barak's story, along with Jael, it continues this, this theme of, of God using unusual people with unusual equipment to do his will. You know, Barak was only successful because a woman called him out and told him to pull his finger out and do what he was told to do by God. God sends women into our lives to do this for us when we need it. Like at the beginning of last year, when we were still living in Frankston, I had a pain in in the middle of my stomach uh, that gradually got worse over a few days. I was kind of ignoring it for, for a few days, but Kelly insisted that I go and get it checked out. And so I I obliged begrudgingly, as many of us men do, you know, when our wives tell us to go to the doctor or whatever. Um, So I went to the hospital, I waited for hours and then decided to go home in the wee hours of the morning um, because the triage nurse just thought I was constipated, which I knew I wasn't. Um, So I left in the early hours of the morning, not having been seen, and then went to my GP the next day, um, who sent me off for a scan the following day. I had the scan, and then my GP calls me and says I have appendicitis. Get to the hospital ASAP, because if it bursts, I could die. (laughs) I'm sure that there are many other men who are thankful for the women God has sent into our lives, who have saved us from our own calamity too. Yes, even a little bit of nagging can be used by God. And I just encourage men, if you have any nagging concerns or anything about your health, go see a doctor. Go and get it checked out. Don't delay. Go and get seen. I just thank God for Kelly, who was persistent 
um, because if I hadn't have followed uh, what her uh, you know, encouragement had have been, uh, things could have ended very differently. God uses unusual people with unusual equipment to do his will. Jael used what she had to serve God. You never know why you had a job once or why you ended up in the place you're in. God can and does use it all so that you can do his will. Jael knew how to drive a tent peg into the ground. She was pretty handy on a hammer. That was because it was her job to set up the tent. And you never know how God can use the skills, gifts and experiences you have gained over your life to serve him, even in unexpected and unusual ways. So may I encourage us all today to obey God unconditionally. Don't place conditions on your obedience. And can we celebrate and support the women God uses in key roles in his work? Don't fall into the traps of this world that tear them down. And be a willing servant of God to be used by him to do his will. Don't believe the lies you are told that you don't have what it takes to serve God and to do his will. If God can use an ordinary housewife to win great victory, then he most certainly can use each of us. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that you would encourage us this morning with these words, that you would encourage us to to obey you unconditionally, to to not place conditions on, 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 oh, well, if, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. No, give us hearts that joyfully serve you, willingly, without condition. And Lord, may we uphold and support the women who you have placed in key roles in leadership and key roles in following you and and serving you. And may we not fall into the trap of this world in tearing people down because of gender roles. It's ridiculous. May we celebrate them instead. And Lord, may we be a willing servant of yours to be used by God in whatever unusual or unexpected manner that you have for us. Lord, even if we uh, feel, feel that we, we, we don't have anything to offer, Lord, that we're just, you know, we're pretty boring and mundane, Lord, may you use that to bring you glory. I'm sure Jael never thought that she would win amazing victory as as a housewife for you, but she did and she used what she had at hand to serve you. May we do the same. May we use what we have at hand, even the unusual, the unexpected, to serve you, Lord Jesus, to bring you glory and to bring hope, we pray. Amen. Let's sing. You were the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is, 
What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you were raised to life again. And you have no rival, and you have no equal, now and forever God you reign. And yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you were raised to life again. And you have no rival, and you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King. What a powerful name. 
game it is Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus well, Congratulations, you've just done week 30 of Church at Home Well done uh, lovely to see you uh, again, um, or for you to see me, you know, I can't really see you. I wish I could. I am praying, 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 praying that we will be able to meet together face to face again. Maybe it's time to uh, start petitioning your local MPs um, and to, uh, to hey, say, hey, stand up for us. Let us, let us come back. Um, but be safe, be well, and uh, I really look forward to seeing those that want to on Thursday. Uh, I'll be here. Um, come along. Enjoy time together and uh, may you be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God this morning that encourages us to do the unexpected and the unusual, use the unusual to serve God, to, to celebrate the women that are in our lives and uh, not to tear people down on gender roles and of course to obey God unconditionally. Uh, blessings to you all.